Hello, this is Brian Foster, and welcome to our program this Tuesday night. Uh, at least uh, where I am, we come every Tuesday and uh, and Sunday for week after week. And I invite you, I put a link here for Facebook users. If you like to comment, uh, you have to have a special comment on YouTube. Of course, you can just put the comments in on the live stream. So again, we live stream every Sunday and Tuesdays at five o'clock Eastern time, United States, of course, all time zones around the world. So please make your schedules and join us on uh, Sundays and Tuesdays and tell your friends about our channels. Uh, Spiritism channel, NW Spiritism, our nwspiritism.com blog, where we have all sorts of resources about Spiritism, books, articles, free audio and free PDF books. So there's a lot of information you can read and learn about Spiritism. Spiritism was brought to you by Alan Kardec in 1850s. He is called the codifier of Spiritism. He, what he did to, is he, set up a question of a thousand and nineteen questions and he gave those questions to multiple mediums in different locations each medium didn't know other mediums had the same questions and he didn't use the answers from the spirits unless the the answers were similar or exactly the same from different mediums and from that he exposed he was the um, the third revelation which Jesus promised us as the consoler will come and tell you and give you more information. Well, that was the, the spirit of truth and the spirit of truth organized spirits talking to the different mediums and Alan Kardec codified those answers and created the spirits book. Alan Kardec also created other books, but I would say if you are interested in spiritism, you should really start with the spirits book. It is wonderful. And you can get that book in um, PDF. Just put in Alan Kardec space PDF. You actually find all his books on PDF. So I just wanted to make sure everyone knew about that. So now let's get started with Gone West, Part 2, The Officer, The First Message of Light. So as we've talked before, the officer was this pretty smart fellow very focused and he always wanted to get his way he was self-centered and prideful and he'll he'll tell you that himself and when he died he went to the lower zone which is the space around the earth and then he did you know he tried to do bad things and he was sent lower then he was a general of a city uh and took over another part of a city and then he said oh no this is too boring and he went back to earth and tried to take over people's lives and then he was sent way down and he was sent to this this area where they where he would be part like into a herd and these kind of he said he described them as demon like you know spirits that would just whip them and make them run around and then finally you know he just went down even further well and so so this now these last couple Tuesdays we talked about how he's come back up so eventually he started to learn how to pray at some sort of intuition it must have been from his spirit guide he had intuition to pray and ask for love and forgiveness and so he's still not sure about this and but he's trying to be better and he says it is making him weaker so then he goes back to where he was about the level where he was before in in you know down in the like the 
into the dark abyss, into what he calls hell. Of course, there is no hell. It's all, it's all, um, you're only, it's not for eternity. You're not in this place. You're not in this hell, this purgatory forever. Only as, like the officer, where you start asking for help and start changing your ways. So let's get started on what the officer has to say. So he went to a hospital, and of course, I talked about that last week. In a hospital, all they did is operate on people, kind of torture people. He went to a library, as he says, a library in hell, a hospital in hell. And the library was all like horrible books. And it was just all about, you know, you know, being mean to people and ways to torture. And the hospital, all they were doing is operating and, and torturing people. But he escaped from the hospital. Now I'll carry on. He goes, after my experience in the hospital, I was more than ever anxious to get out of that division, but for a long time could find no way in which to do so. I kept away as much as possible from the city of hate, or indeed all cities, for they all partook of the same nature. On one occasion, I blundered suddenly into what seemed like a, a corral. I don't know exactly what that is. It was a fairly large one. I soon discovered it was ruled over by the redoubtable shock. It must have been like a, a kind of a tribe area. Oh, Shaka might be Shaka, uh, Zulu Shaka. That's maybe what he is describing. He seemed to be living very much the same sort of life that he had lived on Earth. Of course, the uh, officer probably was a contemporary of that because he, you know, he was back in that late 19th century. One of his favorite amusements was to set his tribe to dig a huge pit. And when it was finished, he would surround them with his imps and ordered the ladder to charge down upon them from all sides and hurl them into the pit. At other times, he would order an expedition against a neighboring kraal, for there were many such kraals around it, storm it and drag off a large number of people as slaves. He had many pleasant little devices for amusing himself in a similar way to that which he had done on earth. In short, I found that even it in hell, like attracts like and... <clears throat> And the natives still tended to act like natives and settle together, harking back to their old institutions. I had rather a rough time there, for I was, of course, soon spotted and dragged before Mshaka, who declared I must either be a missionary or a traitor. In either case, I was an enemy, so he ordered me to be flung into a bonfire, which was specially made for me. Of course, you are used to these material description and understand that it really means that their wills impose the idea of a bonfire on mine so it's interesting so already the officer is starting to understand that like attracts like which is in spiritism we call that the law of affinity and the law of affinity is very important to us so let's talk about the law of affinity for a moment so what happens with the law of affinity it it it, it filters us and it sends us to where we belong now what do i mean by that so if we if we go through life let's show this i use this a lot we go through life and our previous life is recorded everything in detail every thought and that determines our next life and then we're now in here in our present life of course everything we do in this life is also recorded and analyzed to to create our future life now when you leave the incarnate life you go to where there are others like you. So if you are, let's say, a pickpocket or, a, a, you know, like a criminal of some sort, you go with others like you. If you are really dangerous, 
and you know love torching people then you go even lower into these depths of of the dark abyss as they call in spiritism now if you are a nice person you maybe go to you know one of the levels of heaven depending on your spiritual maturity and so what happens is people who are nice gather together people who are mean gather together people who are miserly looking for gold gather together all these things and so whereas karma is the process of tracking what we're doing and incarnation is the the second leg of, of that is where it it you know makes you come back to earth so you can um, train yourself right to improve your personality and your character because reincarnation and karma put together to create ourselves a a determined set of trials we have the willpower to act the way we want we'll have more freedom of action and less determined futures as we go into higher levels of planets but right now on this level of planet we're pretty locked in not completely there are variables some spiritists will say everything is preordained uh, in my research i have not seen that i've seen exceptions so then the third kind of leg of that solace is the the law of affinity because what that does is after karma after we go through our trials because of reincarnation and karma like tracks everything and they go okay oh we've tracked everything this is where you go right the law of affinity is automatically you go with kind of you know where you belong in the spirit world now of course on the physical earth that doesn't happen because everyone's all mixed up, right? We have good, bad, indifferent people, neutral, all together. Like it's like you know, it used to be our public school where you'd have all sorts of of students here in the United States together. So, but in the spirit world, it is not true. You go where there are others like you. Now, the law of affinity. So, what happens then is, if you're others like you, and let's say you're, a lot happens is your family is kind of on the same level for the most part. There are exceptions. I'll talk about those in a moment. So when you reincarnate, you tend to reincarnate in family groups. Now you can think about countless number of lives and go, well, how many mothers and how many fathers have I had, right? Brothers and sisters, like, you know, my, you know it, it can be amazing. Well, it doesn't usually work that way is you'll have, you'll be the son or daughter of a mother and father in multiple lives. It may evolve to something different, depending on your level and what you want to learn. There could be exceptions to that. But I've read many areas where, you know, time after time, in fact, my wife and I were told my, my daughter has been our daughter before. So now, so that's why you see families that kind of seem the same. Although you always, you, there's always, you know, the old, the old thing is called the black sheep, right? Well, that's because a lot of times families will volunteer to take a more primitive spirit to help him or her uh, mature. And they will take this extra person as a, as a child into their family and try to give them a leg up on their spiritual maturity. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. The parents do not have anything to track against them if it doesn't work if you know if they tried it's it's the free will of the child born into that family so that is why so even the officer saying oh yeah like attracts like 
So he was put into the bonfire. He goes, well, I suffered rather badly, but not so badly as I should have done had I fallen to the hands of civilized man. For these savages, as a rule, don't understand how to visualize and impose such visualization on others as well as do the more civilized spirits. I managed to escape out of the fire, and though flung back again and again several times, at length succeeded in getting clear. This was due to the fact that news arrived that a neighboring chief was marching on the kraal at the head of a quite a large army. Shaka was at once so busy organizing his forces that I slipped away almost unnoticed. But just before I got quite clear, I noticed a mad rush at Shaka and try. I noticed a man rush at Shaka and try to stab him. It was, I learned, a brother of his, and amid the confusion, I bolted. So at another time, I found myself in Athens. I had always thought of it as a beautiful city of dazzling whiteness with splendid sculptures. It may be so in the realms of faith, but down here in hell, I think it was one of the most dreary places I'd ever seen. The very remnants of its beauty, still visible through the ruin, were the more pitiable. Its temples were broken and ruinous, with wrecked pediments and fallen columns, and filth and slime were everywhere. Its statues were mutilated, and worse transformed from beautiful to the vile. Even what, what's months, what once must have been fine now appeared distorted. The faces seemed full of evil, repulsive, vicious, and hideous. It was as if the low vices and evil lives of the people who dwell there and their bad motives was entered into the statues and transformed them from things of beauty to monuments of iniquity. So again, you'll see this. You'll see this in is, you know, as heaven will and the lower levels heaven and maybe the lower zone will reflect some of the some of the cities that look, you know, they'll bring up and idealized form the more beautiful form of what people did on earth but in the lower zones or as as the officer says in purgatory hell you'll see the the quite opposite you'll see the corrupted version you'll you'll see that the 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 less intellectual version the more ignorant cruel version and so but again that's the that's the type of people you have now you do have people like the officer they're intellectually you know, very with it. There, he's very smart, but his morally, his moral compass was pointing in the wrong direction. What he learned, but there's a lot of people who are still smart, but they're still mad. In fact, there was a story. Uh, it was in um, a book by Devaldo Frankel, Planetary Transition, and one of the one of the kind of rulers of a certain area of purgatory the dark abyss just hated the spirit the the jesus christ and the and so he was down in that area because he just hated everything that jesus stood for and the reason he did that he was a, a jew back in spain during the times of the spanish inquisition and he was tortured quite severely by the spanish inquisition and therefore he just hated anything to do with Jesus Christ. And he, that he sent, you know, spirits to try to, to, you know, hurt what this, you know, the spirits are doing good for people. He was trying to stop the, the spiritual ascension of, of the earth, anything he could do to stop that because of his thirst for revenge. Now, if this poor soul, God, God bless him, right? Cause 
I'm sure he's a very smart person and he went through a horrible torture. I mean, I, I can imagine him, I can see why he'd want that, but if he really understood how the universe works, he was tortured because he must have done the same or worse to others. So did he have a right to say, I hate you because of what you did to me? I mean, of course he always has a right, I should say, but intellectually he should have kind of stepped back and thought, oh, I went through that because I must have done something bad myself. That's the, that's karma, right? It all comes back to him, but he couldn't look that broad. Someday he will, at some time he will grow up. There's another story of like one of these judges in hell who would judge people and send them and make them change shape, etc. And he was uh, Pope Gregory. I don't know what number he was, Pope Gregory something. And the story about him is he actually, when he died, he went into heaven and he wasn't, he wasn't treated like he should be, which is the right hand of, you know, right hand of God, of Jesus, right? Because he wasn't, at that time, he was an infallible Pope. And then he said, no, I'm not going to stay here because that was pride, right? Pride put him right down into, into hell. And of course, there's a great book called Liberation about his the 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 um, what his mother did to get him to realize he was on the wrong path and get him out of that situation. A great book called Liberation by uh, Francisco C. Xavier. I'll, I'll say a lot of times it's Chico Xavier, but if you look at um, Francisco C. Xavier, you'll find his books. You can actually go to my site nwspiritism.com. Click on the picture of Alan Kardec, and then it will take you to a bookstore, and you'll see Alan Kardec's books, Chico's books, other books that you can buy. Of course, you can always find them on Amazon. I see, I find them on Amazon too. So now the officer is in Athens, and I'll carry on with what he said. He said, I got a bad reception there. A common informer at once raised a cry, a spy sees him. And I was dragged into what seemed like a marketplace and at once at once tried. It was, of course, a perfect mockery of a trial, as you will readily guess. I was convicted and condemned to drink hemlock. Of course, Athens, that's what, that's what um, Socrates he had to drink, hemlock. I did so because I had no alternative. Besides, I knew it was all a hollow sham. I could not die. The effect was peculiar. I, grow, I grew stone cold at the feet. And gradually that coldness reached up until it touched the place where, had I still been a man, my heart would have been. I seemed to collapse on the floor, and at once the spectators cried, He's dead. So they picked me up and carried me out through the city gates, threw me down, and went away. Of course, I was not really dead, but for some time I was unable to do anything, so strong was the spell, as it were, that they had imposed upon me, to the effect that I was dead. However, before long, they found something else to think about and forgot me. So let's cover a couple of things. First, they killed him by hemlock. So they, they must have had this, this, this memory of that's how they killed other people in Athens. Of course, that's how they killed Socrates, right? They, and Socrates, I've written articles on Socrates. He was a precursor uh, to introduce people to the concepts that Jesus would come as far as when he, you know, when he came uh, 400 years after Socrates. Of course, Socrates was killed. He was, he was on trial. They put him on trial for corrupting the youth. And how did he corrupt the youth? Well, 
he, first of all, he would teach them to question authority. And that, and of course, as Socrates, of course, was a Socratic dialogue where he would just ask questions. He wouldn't make comments. He would just, he would more ask questions and, and get people to reveal that they didn't really know what they were talking about, which he could do. He was wickedly smart. And then also the fact that Socrates preached that Mike does not make right, right? It was, it, he preached something that was more like the golden rule. He says, look, if, you know, God doesn't want you to make sacrifices for him. He doesn't want a bunch of dead cows and pigeons. He wants you to become a better person. You don't need to do that. And you should treat everyone nice. Don't treat other people badly. Don't mistreat your, your slaves because just because you have power over them, you're supposed to be here to treat everyone honorably. And of course, he also had a variation of the golden rule. So of course they didn't like that and they had enough votes to uh, convict him to death. Now, the other thing is, as the officer said, you know, he drank hemlock and he goes, now, of course I couldn't, you know, it wasn't really poison, but it was a spell. So when he was saying a spell, he's talking about the collective will of the crowd. And of course, now remember in the spirit world thought is action. The collective will of the crowd was this guy should feel like he's drinking hemlock and the officer wasn't strong enough to resist that oh i'm feeling like i drank hemlock and therefore i'm feeling like i'm starting to be paralyzed so physically he wasn't paralyzed because you can't die you you think you have internal organs in fact they can torture you and cut you open and take out your heart there won't be any blood and if they chop off your arm it will you might faint for a while, but then you'll wake up whole again because you are a logical construct. And as part of your logical construct, you have your paraspirit and you're, you're you. And when you wake up and you think where you are again, you will be as you think you should look unless there's a stronger dominant will making you look like something else. So then the officer said, at once I found myself becoming normal, rising up and hurried from the place. By now, I was about as sick of the division of hate as anyone could possibly be. So it's working, right? The spirit world said, okay, we're going to put you in this place where the law of affinity, we're like or with like. And guess what? If you're like a, a ruthless, uncaring, selfless soul who wants power over everyone else, guess what? You're going to be with others like you. And do you like that? So anyway... He goes, and I determined to make an effort to get out. I therefore knelt down on the stony ground and prayed. My God, how I prayed. At length, an answer, answer came, and in an unexpected manner. I saw coming towards me a light. Yes, a real light, not the horrible red glow, which passes for fire down here and has all the unpleasant effects without the pleasant ones. No, this was a real light, silvery, clear, and pure come down from the realms above. It drew nearer and nearer, and by degrees I perceived that the light came from a man, or was it an angel? Yes, I felt sure it must be an angel. I stretched forth my hands in longing prayer. But as he came nearer and nearer, I felt an intense pain. It was the light and seemed to be eating into my soul. At length I could bear it no longer and cried out in agony, stop, stop for the love of God, stop, it burns, it burns. Now, why did, why did he feel bad? 
Why did he feel bad? So there's a good answer to this. And let me give you another example first. There's an example in the book, um, How You're Guided by Spirits, that I, the, the third in my series of, of, about the spirit world. And when this, this kind of angel, right, this higher spirit started talking to a crowd, then they would started crying and yelling. They would drop to the floor. And he said they would drop to the floor because if you know, this was down on the lower zone, this wasn't even down in the dark abyss or purgatory, as often it calls it. They dropped to the floor because they felt it all came back to them. They felt the harm that they've done to others. They felt the, the you know, the wrongs they had committed. And it just, it just made them feel so terrible, but it burns because what the, what the high spirit was saying, it re, it's burning away those feelings, right? So you can come to a better place. And so that's why it is, once you're into this lower zone of this hell, it really is hard to, to go up because you, you go through, it's not, you think it's physical pain, but it's really mental pain that translates itself to physical pain because you're just feeling so like, you know, oh my God, I can't believe I stole that or I can't believe I murdered this person or I can't believe whatever. I can't believe I, you know, I betrayed that other person. It's just your mind comes back because you're all, everyone has this conscience, right? There's no one all evil or all good. We've told that many times. So that little piece of good comes out and it starts giving pain to the rest of you when you're down there. Then the officer said, then came an answer like the notes of a silver trumpet. You have called for help and I have come to give it, but all progress entails a price. And the price you must pay is the burning away of the filth which encumbers your soul. Oh, there we have it. He says the same thing as you read in spirit. Just literature. If you remain here, you will suffer and keep on suffering till you do come. If you go with me, you will suffer only for a little while and will be progressing. And that means you will be going away from suffering slowly, perhaps, but surely. So here's the angel came down to him. Now he said he was an angel. He said he's bright. So why are higher spirits bright? Now, if the officer was on the same level as this spirit that came to talk to him, he, he would look absolutely normal. But when you hear people's NDEs, near-death experiences, they'll say, I saw an angel. And, you know, like these wings, was, I could barely make out his face. Well, that's because the higher the spirit, the more they reflect the love of God. It's not like they... they they uh, illuminate themselves. It's more like they reflect the love of God. It comes and it reflects off of them. And therefore, they look bright into their eyes, like someone like me on a lower plane. It, it's very bright. And, and that's why probably in olden days, people thought angels had wings because it was so fuzzy. So then the officer said, I'll come, I'll come. I sobbed. I inured the pain by now. Lead on, and I will follow as well as I am able. Oh, God, help help my stumbling steps. He said, I'll come no nearer, he answered, but follow me. A light shines in the darkness, and now is then the darkness comprehends you. He goes, I'll not describe how he led me out of that division. It would take too long. So then, so then he said, I followed the messenger at a distance, right? Meaning that he couldn't, you know, if he got too close to the light, kind of hurt him. We climbed up and up over rugged mountain sides upon until 
reaching the crest of a line of naked barren hills I found stretching before us, a kind of vast march. Across the marsh ran a broken path, which every now and then seemed to vanish, only to reappear again. All around was a thick fog, but the fog seemed lightest over the path. The messenger of hope led the way along this quaking path, and I followed at a certain distance because of the intensity of the light which came from him, which at the same time illuminated the path we were on. Suddenly, out of the darkness loomed a great figure, terrible and horrible. I knew him at once by instinct as the personification of hate. He barred our way and cried, None who have entered these realms may ever depart. Return the way you came, or I'll throw you into the marsh. But my rescuer answered, Out of the way. In this sign I conquer. And raising his hand, he held aloft a cross. And as he advanced,